so I decided to take a little bit more break because I was doing too many episodes in like a span of a week. Six days later, I'm back. Welcome to the Benchwarmer, where I, Anika Med, your host, will be talking about basketball. And probably the most hottest topic that everyone is talking about is J.R. Smith's Game 1 Meltdown. Um, I don't know what else I could really say that hasn't been said in the past, like, week. J.R. Smith should have passed it to LeBron, or, you know, he even messed up on the interviews, by the way, that they thought he was going to take a timeout. LeBron didn't even know they even had a timeout. Lou should have called a timeout. It's just, it's a whole lot of shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, it's a lot of that, really, and one of the main things that everyone is ragging on J.R. Smith about is that, like, he wasn't paying attention to his score, and he thought they won, you know, but they were not, and it went to overtime, and that's what really killed the Cavaliers, you know, J.R. Smith, in the recent years, after he left the New York Knicks, he's, he's changed a whole new leaf, you know, the man has become a father. He's not really like Henny God. He's not really like Pipe God. He's he's you know apparently he's grown up with LeBron, especially with that 2016 uh, championship run where like a lot of it was due to uh, J.R. Smith. You know that guy was he was on fire in the playoffs and he made some great blocks. He he. He was great offensively too. He was Le- he was LeBron's like number three guy, you know, behind Kevin Love. He was LeBron's three guy, and now he's he's getting flamed on so hard because he made a blunder. And I I personally think people are being a little too hard on J.R. Smith mainly because of that. He's he he had a difficult time, you know. They started doing MVP chants in Game Two, which Really, I, you know, Golden State Warriors, the Warriors fans, Oracle Arena. Wow, they are they are really harsh. Oh my God, did not expect the MVP chance. They even gave him a standing ovation. That's that's wild to say the least. You know, it's pretty pretty wild that they actually you know started doing the MVP chant for Jr. Smith because. Without him, they might not have won game one, and they might not have had the steam they had in game two. LeBron put up, like, what, 51 points in game one? What else can a man do, you know? He he can't do anything. And one thing to say is that while, you know, he put 50, 51 points, he had no one else to really help him out. And in game two, really, uh... It was 122 to 103, and third quarter, Warriors came over and took over. Stephen Curry was Stephen Curry, and I, you know, I could go over plays, I could go over stats and everything, but really, like, what are you gonna do? Even without Andre Iguodala, you know, they they're a phenomenal team. Clay Thompson, he uh, he was great defensively, and he what? Was thirty three for forty two. Oh, that that's his mitt. Oh, that was my fault. Whoa, that was that. Scratch that. 
The man was uh, 8 for 13, and he had, what, like 20 points? Uh, Sean Livingston, I love that man. <laughs> like, he's he's one of my favorite players ever. He had 10 points, and he had an efficient night shooting for 5-5 five, five off the bench. He put in his work. You know, I, I love the guy. Nick Young, by the way, has a great low light shooting for 0 oh, for 5. You know, 0 oh, for 5, my guy. Nick Young's going to get a ring regardless, and uh, the guy just shot 0 for 5, and, you know, he's playing, he, he he's just doing what he likes to do, you know, uh, but really, uh, Kevin Durant had a uh, deficient shooting night, um, he was what, 10 for 14, oof, and had what, 26 points? that's efficient no matter what anyone says no matter how much people will hate him no matter how much I hate the guy that was efficient shooting and the Warriors game 2 Warriors just really destroyed them and Curry is Curry I don't really want to go over his stats but if you're wondering it's 33 points 11 for 26 and uh, he made a miraculous 3 point shot which just demoralized the Cavaliers so much and each time they thought they had him you know, it's Curry. It's Curry range, you know, instead of people saying Kobe, they're gonna say Curry. He's he's arguably a top five um shooting guard. He's arguably he is the number one shooter, but he's a top, he's arguably a top five shooting guard. He I think he's gonna win finals MVP this year. It's not gonna go K D. And really it's it's kinda crazy that The Warriors, they're going to take it. Everyone knows. I don't know if it's going to be a gentleman sweep or it's going to be 4-1 or if it's going to be a complete total sweep. That, you know, I think LeBron could win one at least for the Cavs. I'm going to be surprised if they could actually tie the series now back in Cleveland. But, yeah, what else can you really do? The NBA is slowly, collectively trying to catch up with the Golden State Warriors. Everyone's adopting perimeter shooting. Everyone's adopting switching. And switching has been in the uh, bas- in the basketball world for a long time. But the way that the Warriors do it, I don't think anyone else successfully has been replicating it. Replica- repl- replicating a defense against their, their entire system, except the Houston Rockets. You could tell that the Warriors... The Warriors are going to be a benchmark for us. Like, the Chicago Bulls were a benchmark for the 90s. And for basketball at the time, that the Warriors are that benchmark. And people are going to surpass that. You know, the Rockets are very close to doing that. And I believe that they're just one piece away. Because if Chris Paul didn't go down with that hamstring injury, they would have won it. I'm going to just say it straight up. Chris Paul, if they, if he was healthy, they would have won Game 7. Or won it in Game 6. But that's a little too hasty. But they would have won it. They would have won the series. And regardless of whatever happens in the future, you cannot deny the fact that the Warriors truly have changed basketball and truly have made everyone push to become the competitors that I feel as though has been lacking in a little bit. Ah, oh, okay, that's an oxymoron. But what I'm trying to say is that the Warriors, they're pushing every team to their limits, pushing them to adopt different strategies, pushing them to find different ways to beat them. 
you know, people have an idea where the Pelicans or Detroit Pistons even, uh, they have a great big men, and, you know, maybe the, if you go big, big men that can actually, like, be versatile, they could stop the Warriors. Or you have guys, you have teams like the Houston Rockets and even the light uh, Celtics who really go for perimeter shots who switch on defenses but you know who have like talented rosters and go isolation when they know their iso players cannot like be stopped a la Harden or you know a la Rozier I guess but you know Rozier just he he bit the bullet with the Celtics but regardless what I'm saying is that to quote and to be honest I'm a DC Comics guy but to quote Vision from Avengers Civil War, he says that our very existence, in terms of like the Avengers, our very existence brings challenge to the world, to us, and that's what the Warriors are doing, they're challenging every other team to go up against them, Clay Thompson literally says, oh, the entire league needs to get better, and he's not wrong, you know, as, as much as I hate smug Warriors, as much as I hate how Golden State could be really like that this cocky and still be this safe. There's no denying the fact that they're better than everyone by a wide margin. LeBron is better by better than everyone by a wide margin. And people need to catch up. People need to catch up and play. And I think teams are really starting to do that. Next year it's gonna be a different story, I believe so. You know, I think Paul George, I I don't believe he's going to stay in Oklahoma City. I believe he could go to the Rockets. But if he does, then Melo's going to be out. And I don't know what they're going to do with Melo. Maybe buy him out. But I believe that Paul George will either stay in Oklahoma. And the, and the Thunder will give a good run against the Warriors. You know, if, if Paul George stays. If not, then I don't think I want, I don't believe he's going to go to the Lakers. As much as that rumor has been leaked when he's with the Pacers and his his value went down, I believe that he wants to contend. And the Lakers are not contending. Even if they have Paul George, who's going to be the number two guy? And in this league where you need a number two guy to help you out, I don't see, I don't see Brandon Ingram making that leap yet. Lonzo Ball can only do so much, and he's, he's a rookie. He's going to be... A sophomore next year, he's not going to provide much. Julius Randle, the jury's out on him whether or not he's staying with the Lakers or not. He's a restricted free agent. And it and Kyle Kuzma was just like, he's also going to be a sophomore. So the Lakers seem to really young. And I believe that Paul George really wants to contend. So either he's going to stay in Oklahoma or he could take his talents to the Rockets. I believe that if PG joins the Rockets, it gives them... Defensive versatility. It gives them great perimeter shooting. It gives them a solid third option if... Or solid second option in case Chris Paul or Harden goes down. And personally, with that big three, I think they could take it to the Warriors. Since they almost already did it this year. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna keep Clint Capella... I know that Chris Paul, it might be hard to swallow his contract, but the man's that good. But I digress about the Rockets. The Warriors, they're challenging everyone to keep up with them. And 
as a Knicks fan, you know, I'm worried about like 2022 or 2023 when we're actually gonna be able to contend against like the likes of the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess the Minnesota Timberwolves. I guess you know, maybe even the Sacramento Kings if they actually get lucky with the draft and and the Nets and the Suns. The Suns especially, they're gonna be stacked. Oh, they're gonna be stacked. I'm worried about those teams. But for now, teams like, and I think you're either you're either going going to keep up with the Warriors and try to overtake them like the Rockets, like the Celtics, who are set up for both of these scenarios in terms of like waiting until the Warriors are slowly like not the kings of the NBA and being able to compete now. They're in an optimal position. I envy the Celtics so much because there's no other team in the league with young, good assets like them, with players that can contend now in Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, yet having young stars in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and having a great set of guys in terms of Marcus Smart, Marcus Morris, and Terry Rozier step up and play with a good coach. They're set up for both of these scenarios in terms of waiting out the Warriors or contending with the Warriors. And... The Celtics, they're number one. They're literally target numero uno in these years to come. Because, man, if that Celtics team went to the finals, I, I'm i not sure if the Warriors would... I think the Warriors would still take it, but I'm not sure if it'd be, if it'd be less of a series. They'd go to Game 7, I believe so. Nonetheless, um, you know... Like I said, you're going to be in the camp where you're trying to keep up with the Warriors or wait until they phase out. Teams like the Knicks, Suns, Nets, Atlanta Hawks, Kings. I was going to say the Hornets, but Lord knows what they're doing with uh, Kemba Walker. So, yeah. But regardless, all the rebuilding and tanking teams, like the Mavs, they're waiting out for the Warriors to die out so they actually have a chance to actually build upon what they have. And, you know, they're also looking at the Warriors and seeing what future, like, what can they do to actually challenge the Warriors? Because teams are going to keep up with the Warriors. They're going to get to their skill level. It's just happening progressively, progressively. It might not seem like that teams can keep up, and yet there's, like, a couple of teams. Yes, the Warriors are still kings of the NBA right now. But the fact of the matter is, is that with... The Warriors being that great, everyone's trying to get more and more assets, everyone's trying to get like specific players to be on their team, like 3 and D players or versatile wings or posi- or have like, guys that could play, that could, that, that, ooh, wow, that was a tongue twister, guys that could actually switch from 1 to 4, you know, have playmaking ability, can defend the perimeter, defend the paint, can do everything, positionless, positionless basketball. Teams are catching up, and sooner or later, Warriors are going to be toppled. You know, and I think with the Warriors being succeeded by whoever wins it, by you know, be it Philly, be it Boston, be it Rockets, be it the Pelicans, be be it by anybody, you know, um, teams are just gearing up for like what's 
the next revolutionary thing to really bring back basketball, competitive basketball. Because the Warriors are the Warriors. No one can do it better than they can. Yes, you could say the Rockets, but even then, it's like... It's like... This is arguably the greatest team in the history of the NBA. With the 73-win team. That was before Kevin Durant, the third best player in the world. Yes, I said third best player, by the way, because... In my mind, I think Steph Curry is an obvious number two. I do not argue that KD's scoring potential is more than Curry, but what Curry did to revolutionize basketball like this, I, I have to give it to the man, you know? I have to give it to him. But back to what I was saying is that when, when the teams are going to catch up with the Warriors, when the Warriors are going to be toppled down, when that core goes their separate ways, when they they don't play up to par, every team wants to be that team where they're like they can revolutionize basketball, or at least I don't revolutionize it, but just overtake everyone by a wide margin. Because if because if anyone remembers before 2015, the Warriors for 41 years were were nowhere, you know. The last couple years, you know, when uh, Andre Iguodala got there, they were a fringe playoff team. They were like the uh, Nuggets of that age. And, and by the way, I believe the Nuggets are going to actually like make it big in like the next two years. Trust me on that. Do not sleep on the Nuggets. They're going to be good. Trust me on that. You heard it here first. Benchwarmer Post. Nika Matt. Nuggets are going to be good in the next two years. Anyways, 41 years, I believe so, the Warriors, they were nowhere, really. And it wasn't until Andre Iguodala was there with, when, when Mark Jackson was coaching that like they became a fringe playoff team. And then it wasn't until Steve Kerr, until they actually became one of the greatest teams to, to ever grace a basketball court. And what I'm saying is that Dynasties come and go, you know? Remember LeBron's like, one, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight. Comment. When he joined the Miami Heat, everyone thought that entire super team was going to be unbeatable for the next, like, ten years or whatever. You know, that was when they had prime Chris Bosh. That was when they had a... Uh, Late prime Dwayne Wade. That was when they had prime LeBron. Mike Miller. Mike Bibby. Um, <laughs> Birdman Anderson. Uh, oh, Shabazz Napier. I remember. Uh, and, you know, Eric Spolcher's a great coach. And everyone thought they were going to be dominant. But first year, they, got dis- they, they lost to the 2011 Mavs. Thank you, Dirk. And then they won it. And then they won another one. So they had two Pete and they were gonna do a three Pete. And next thing you know, the Spurs beat them in twenty fourteen. And that's when LeBron decided to leave because everyone's getting old and injuries and it's it wasn't an ideal situation for him. And really it just goes to show that in four years where the Miami Heat Super Team, like, was there. 
Only two times they won a chip. Four finals appearances, yeah. But teams rose to the occasion and beat them. And yeah, the Warriors team, they're so good. And yes, they're probably going to win it today, this year. I said today, look at it. <laughs> yes, they might win it this year. That would give them, what, three championships? But honest to God, I'm telling you right now, the way that the league is progressing with everyone catching up to the to the Warriors this quickly, and there there is no way, I, I don't believe they're going to win it next year. I truly do not. I think it's going to be the Rockets. I think it's going to be whatever team LeBron's going to go to next year, because I sure as... Hell no, that he's not going to stay in Cleveland where the whole GR meltdown. Um, and it's an interesting prospect because we as basketball fans, we we tend to overreact, saying that, oh, Herder, Golden State Warriors are going to take over the NBA for the next seven years. Oh, parody. And it, I don't think that's how it works. I, I personally think that a new team is going to come up next year and it's going to surprise everyone that like, oh wow, the Warriors just got just got defeated. Maybe they're not unbeatable at all because the Rockets almost did it this year. Teams are teams are gearing up for the for the Warriors. Daryl Morey has an obsession with the Warriors. They're already scout. Chris Paul's already recruiting LeBron for for Pete's sake. It's it's kind of crazy that, like, everyone's catching up to the Warriors this quickly. I... Basketball is going to change again. Trust me on that. Two years, I give it two years. The Warriors <clears throat> are not going to be champions in two years. That's my bold prediction, and... I'm sticking by it because the way that basketball, the game has like evolved and like if history has shown us anything is that basketball is a cyclical game, you know, dynasties rise and fall, teams win and lose, um, you know, unless you're the damn Celtics or Lakers, you know, you won't, there will be times where you win and there will be times where you lose and Really, you can't always be winning. LeBron never always won. He's losing right now. and Unless your name is Michael Jordan, really, you, you wouldn't win all the time. And no, he doesn't even win all the time. And Yeah, you know, that's what I'm just trying to say is that hope is not lost for parity. You know, I think they're going to vote on the hard cap in the next meeting. I, I believe that there's going to be some more talks about, like, maybe we should introduce Seattle or Vancouver as more expansion teams, and basketball's going to get better from here, you know? Uh, this might be, like, I guess you could say the one of the more boring finals, but honestly, as a basketball fan, seeing how everyone has these, like, chess pieces to move in the offseason, and how they move at the trade deadline, and... And who did what and what rookie shows up where. And it's just crazy. It's kind of like Game of Thrones to me, to be honest with you. Basketball is like Game of Thrones, guys. And that's what Game of Thrones is. Watch it, by the way. Great show.
But yeah, you know, hope is not lost. Golden State Warriors, two years time, they're not going to be champions. Trust me on that. Um, what else? What else is happening in the basketball news? Sorry, I guess we'll make this episode a general general information episode. So, um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out like what else is like good with the basketball world. Uh, Andre Iguodala, by the way, is might he might be eyeing a return since he's been pain free, so he might be in for game three or four. So who knows? Uh, ooh. So uh, Brett Brown, he's been extended. I I I I hope everyone knows the Colangelo scandal where like he apparently has like different accounts on Twitter and he's been subtweeting and apparently those accounts were belong to his wife where he has access to his wife's thing and the Sixers hired like a a law firm to the to really distinguish what's going on in that whole Brian Colangelo situation. And it's a very interesting situation because of the fact that <sighs> the Sixers, they're the one of the prime targets for, like, at least quote-unquote prime to targets to chase LeBron this offseason. And really, the Sixers are on the come-up after being, like, apparently quote-unquote trash for so long. Right. Say that, as a, say that seriously as a Knicks fan. I dare you. But nonetheless... Um, yeah, so to figure out what the, what's going on with the Cole Angelo situation, uh, they, they extended Brett Brown's, uh, contract on the same night and it just did not work. You know, everyone was on Brian Cole Angelo's butt cheeks on Twitter and everyone was making a big deal about it. Even I did, you know, I was in on it for, for a good minute and I... People were saying that, like, they should fire him, and I don't know if he's going to be fired or not. He might stay, because he, he denies any, like, plausibility that it was him, but, you know, the last two numbers on the Twitter uh, phone number, it on the, on these accounts, it's 9-1, and apparently that's his wife's phone number, and it's a whole, it's a whole thing, really. Uh, to, the Sixers, it's, it's really been, like, helping us keep up. With basketball, when it's like not even the off season yet, it's just really entertaining to see like how it all goes down. But yeah, um, Joel Embiid believes in Brian Colangelo that he didn't do it, but everyone kind of knows it is. I think they're just trying to save face. But nonetheless, uh, I hope it gets resolved soon. People are saying that maybe. Um, What's his face? Sam Hinkie should come back. You know, he's teaching at Stanford. He should come back and be in management. But, you know, there's also like a small, small, tiny rumor that David Griffin should come back to the NBA and become the GM of the Sixers in order to pursue LeBron. Uh, but it's all just, it's all just fanfare and BS floating around and I just hope they figure out like what's going on, with what, because really the Twitter, the whole Twitter fiasco is just bizarre to me. We have like presidents on Twitter, we have senators on Twitter, and we have college coaches all around Twitter, and really Twitter's become such a like platform that you know we're actually having in legal cases. They're, like 
and being investigated by like numerous people. What's crazy about that? Um, the age that we live in, that Twitter is actually a verifiable platform in which it involves investigations. That that just shocked me. But nonetheless, uh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of been talk about the referees, by the way, about like missed calls and who's biased and whatnot. And I, I admit wholeheartedly that I was pissed in in the uh, previous games, probably in my previous episode, by the way, at the referees. And really, I just think the refs are just bad on both sides. I, I recant my statement that like they're going for the Warriors, but really, some of the some of the plays that they do on both sides of the action are just horrible. Um, so I really hope that they, they do something about the refs. Um, I could whine about it like all, like the entire time I'm talking on this podcast, but wow, it's get some new refs, get like put up a whole new guideline on how to ref, you know, maybe ha- introduce a challenge rule for the, co- for like the NBA coaches, like in soccer, where they could challenge it, I know they're implementing that rule, the challenge rule in summer league, so we'll see how far that goes, but I really hope that coaches will be able, be able to challenge co- uh, referee calls, referee fouls, and they should be allowed to do so, because Really, like, if refs can't, like, look at it because some implication in the NBA rulebook, that's just more power to the refs, and refs should not be gaining this much, like, power within games. That's how scandals occur. So, those are my final thoughts on that. Uh, what else should I really talk about? Um, as far as NBA news, uh, yeah, the mock drafts are coming up. People are, like... Like doing one-on-one uh, workouts with different teams. Wendell Carter Jr. just did a uh, workout with the Chicago Bulls. Trey Young is gonna do a uh, workout with the Knicks. Same thing with uh, Mikael soon. Um, I don't know if Luka Doncic has even done a workout with anyone, but I digress. Uh, Lonnie Walker is working out with the Knicks and Sun. And not why am I saying Suns? And the Sixers and Clippers. It, I'm excited for that kid. I think that kid's gonna be a star, Lonnie Walker. Uh, I mean, I could give you my hot take if you guys really would want to, but um, I don't believe DeAndre Aiden should be the number one pick. There, I said it. I said it. He lacks explosiveness. Oh, what am I saying? He lacks explosive like defensive explosiveness really and he gets he gets a little confused when like he's told to switch on his man and he doesn't switch and he keeps up by going to his man with the paint and he can't keep up with his man and there he's 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 he he can't keep up with the guys in the paint you know like when he's like side shuffling while they're running to the paint he can't, um, when he, he doesn't recognize a switch when it's like, made and that causes off of him, that causes the other team to score. Sometimes he gets uh, pulled away with by his man to make the paint actually like free so that someone else can actually score into the paint. Um, it's just, it's just, he's a defensive liability and I don't, 
he's also uh, like more of a traditional big man, you know, and he reminds me a lot of like Dwight with like a lot of his blocking, mid-range shots, low post scoring, and like he he's a true big man to be honest with you. But the way that the NBA is going with like more guard lineups and more like versatile big men with like Nikola Jokic, Chris Stapps, and Carl Anthony Towns, I, I'm not sure about how how well he'll succeed in the NBA. I, I have little doubts, but I believe he should go number two. So that's that's my hot take. But as far as uh, how I want this draft to go. I'm working on something actually. I'm gonna release it soon. So yeah, um, that's my hot take of the uh, episode. May I'll do an episodic thing about what my hot take is for each episode. But I digress. Um, I think that's about it. You know, this—that's all about the NBA news and my own takes on what's going on in the NBA. Game three is tomorrow in Cleveland. Be sure to watch that. And uh, yeah. This is Anik Ahmed from the Bench Warmer Post. Thank you for anyone that's listening, and I'll get back to you guys later on. So, enjoy the game, and I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.